Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay. Hi, everybody, and uh, welcome to the show. And those people that are calling in from Europe and staying up quite late, Frank and I appreciate it. Right, Frank? Sure do. Anyway, so here's Frank. He's going to be talking tonight uh, uh, or this afternoon about uh, using strength, power, and endurance in a workout and preparing for an event you may be doing, like a running event or or something like that. So, Frank, I love when uh, I understand that more myself, and I know you're you're a great trainer. You've had your clients with you a long time, as we've talked about before, but how do we use strength, power, and endurance in a workout to get the best body we possibly can have? And also in an event, uh, what's your thoughts on that? Well, you know, it depends on the kind of event you're doing. Like I like doing obstacle course stuff where it's a little bit of everything, upper body, lower body, uh, power, strength, endurance, so on and so forth. But if it's a run only or if it's a, you know, cycling event or something like that, there's different muscle groups that are involved. So you got to kind of figure out, you know, which muscles you're specifically using to train. Although you want to train the whole body, but, you know, for example, uh, if you're doing a one-mile run, you know, or a, you know, 5K or a 10K uh, and it's a little more endurance, then you're using less power and more endurance. So if you want to use more power on a shorter run or a – if you're doing like one of the endurance uh, events that I do, like I said, with a little bit of everything, then you have to train everything. So power muscles are completely different. They're short bursts. Uh, strength muscles are basically how much you can move in one time, you know, and a, a shorter burst, but with as much strength as you possibly can to right. endurance, you know, how long you can move something that's, uh, you know, you want to keep the weight as light as possible. So with your body, depending on the type of body you have or the type of event you have, um, let's say if you are a thin person, you know, and you want to do a power event, then you have to do a lot of explosive activities to prepare, like jump and then, you know, jumping jacks, not jumping jacks, but jumping jacks will warm you up, but more like a jump squats or, you know, doing jump rope where you're using a power and your calves constantly jumping up and down to uh, you know, cross training and doing if you have access to it, like a pole where you're doing sprints in it or sprints outside. Um, but, you know, you can't go from zero to 60. So if you're a, a amateur uh, race person in a sense and you're not used to doing it, it's one of your, you know, few or you haven't done it in a long time, uh, you don't want to start out doing something like that. You want to start off with the easier. So just kind of gradually working yourself in. So you're you do more, you know, light, light jogs. I always tell people, you know, when you're first starting, like you want to float like a butterfly, you know, in a sense that <laughs> if you're hearing yourself pound when you're running, then you're doing right. it wrong. Because if you're not light on your feet, you're putting a lot of stress on your ankles and your knees, your back, and it all works on the ground up. So if your feet are, aren't are properly uh, equipped with the right socks and the right sneakers, um, to the your knees, if you have bad knees, 
then running might not be the best event for you um, to a bad back and so on and so forth, moving your way up. So you got to kind of also be realistically with your body. So I like doing, like I said, the obstacle course races. I have a few herniations myself. When I'm doing a constant long run, um, I get the adrenaline rush, so it doesn't bother me then, but it kills me afterwards on my back. Whereas if I do the obstacle course runs, there's enough intermittent upper body and core exercises that it actually kind of makes me feel good. And you're typically running on dirt and doing stuff like that. So, again, if you're training power where there's short bursts, short uh, courses that you're doing, then you need to do little short sprints. You need to do power jumps, power squats, um, typically in like the four to six rep range, and you're going to do it as, as hard and fast as you can. Then you're going to rest about a minute, and then you're going to do it again, and you're going to rest a minute and then do it again. And you'll probably get like six to seven sets when you're doing short reps like that. Um, right. If you're giving it 100% because you're supposed to be giving it close to 100% when you're doing power. And then for the strength part, um, again, these are exercises that you want to kind of have a strong core for to be able to do power and strength because if you don't, injury becomes a big concern because the body's just not ready to do something like that. It's like, you know, trying to learn a drive in a Ferrari stick shift as opposed to, you know, starting to learn on a, a very small basic four-cylinder car. You have to work your way up gradually. So you got to strengthen the core by doing your abs and doing, you know, weighted squats and doing um, push-ups and pull-ups and, you know, or, or hitting the weights and kind of balancing it out. But the, the body weight stuff is the most important because that's going to be your core that you're strengthening with it. When you're doing a push-up, you're also doing a plank, you know, and you got to be able to strengthen the whole body. And then for the endurance, you're, you're trying to just get as much time as possible. So, you know, for example, if you're a person that's uh, ADD like, like me, in a sense, and you get bored doing something for too long, then you need a distraction. So if you have, like, uh, if, if you want to do a running activity, then put some music on. I, I can't run without music. i got to have music. That's just me. Like, I, you know, I need ACDC pumping in or I need something to just kind of get my blood flow going. And I love running I at the park because even though there's people walking, I love running past them. <laughs> so it's, uh, <laughs> I, I need something to push me in a sense. But if it's a, if I'm training just power and strength, you know, that's my wheelhouse where I love doing that. I can do that in my gym in my garage or I can do that at the actual gym uh, that I go to because it's, it's, you know, that's my wheelhouse. But you have to be focused and you have to be in the mindset so you have to be real with yourself so if you need competition to push you or you need you know motivation and inspiration um, right. make sure you're getting that from proper sources if you are kind of a, don't need that and you like working out by yourself and you don't like others around you or you know you feel like you're uh, insecure in the beginning of, of doing it because you're not sure if you're doing it right or you're you don't want to have others watch you or something like that then start off small doing stuff on your own and, and watching, you know, either YouTube videos or, or looking at it in a book. You know, it's, it's hard to know if you're doing it correctly without somebody watching you. But start off with the easier beginner exercises. And as they, begin, as they get easier, you'll see that uh, it's not a challenge anymore. And so you got to look for the next challenge. Because the key is to constantly challenge yourself so you can constantly progress. Because otherwise you stalemate. And if you stalemate and you stay the same, you eventually regress. And 
you get bored or you get hurt or you basically your body shuts down, you get sick, all types of things are happening. So you need to challenge yourself. And that's, that's a key, you know, can, can you challenge yourself and make yourself continually always see a, a progression? Cause if you can't, then you might need to just change the modality of the exercise and see a progression in a different way. So it's not always about getting stronger or getting faster or about getting, uh, you know, just longer endurance and so on and so forth. Sometimes it's about the, the small steps that you're making, you know, in a sense of, uh, you know, how much better you breathe that day or how much more energy you had or, uh, you know, and on the negative days, the, the vice versa. Like, you know, there's those days that you're going to have that you're just, it's not a good workout day, but you can't let that affect your next workout day because you're going to have a bad day too. And that's just human nature. Like, you know, some days we have more energy than others. Just like when you wake up in the morning, some days you wake up and you're full of energy and some days you're a little tired. But, you know, that's where you got to figure out how to motivate yourself and inspire yourself and get going. And some days the workout's better, some days it's not. And, you know, you got to keep going to the next workout and then just track what you're doing so you can constantly progress. And if you hit that, like I said, that stalemate or a regression, you know that you got to change something up. So, you know, you got to read it and you got to be uh, asking questions and so on and so forth so that way you can continue to see the progress. Because I always look at exercises there almost is no limit. Like anybody right. can continue to progress, you know, athletically we all have limitations when it comes to that. You know, I'll never be Lance Armstrong or Carl Lewis or Michael Jordan or so on and so forth, but I can always be better than what I am now. So that's the way you got to look at it. And, you know, and if you look at it like that, you might not be as good as the person next to you. You could strive to be as good as them, but you can always be better in what you are right now. And so if you're always looking at it from that standpoint, how can I improve from where I'm at right now? You will. I have a question on that for you because that for me, uh, competing competitive is really a challenge for me because I always want to uh, be better than, than someone that may be running with me or maybe working out with me, you know, with me being, you know, in the, in the gym. So I, what's the solution for that? I mean, should you be competing or should you could try to try to compete with yourself? Cause they, it sounds great, but sometimes that can be a challenge to do. What's your thoughts on that? Well, I think it depends on the, uh, it depends on the person. So like for somebody like you, since you like to be better than the person you're competing with, it's better to compete because if you have somebody that you know is better than you at something you're doing, then you're going to strive to be better than them. So they're challenging you. They're inspiring you. Whereas other people that, you know, they're not, let's say, as competitive, they just want to compete with themselves. They just want to be able to complete a 5K or complete a 10K. They are competing with themselves. So for them, it's more about tracking and writing down so they improve on what they're doing at a consistent level to meet their goal. Um, you know, for example, I'm, I'm highly competitive myself. I like to compete with others. Um, even if I don't know them, you know, it doesn't make a difference. But when I was in the, the Marines, like I used to have a friend that, you know, I was never a, a big long distance runner and in the Marines, they run a ton. And, uh, you know, we'd always run like bare minimum three miles almost every morning. Sometimes it'd be eight miles. And right. my best friend was like this gazelle running, you know, it was like a six, two, six, three, a uh, kid from Guatemala that was just ridiculous with endurance and everything else. He wasn't an athlete, 
because I'd beat his butt in basketball and any other sport, but running, it was like trying to catch a cheetah out there and I could never <laughs> catch him and it would drive me nuts. And huh? I would practically kill myself to try to beat him. And then one day, like, I just, uh, I mean, I always played other sports and I always was extremely active, but I just put it in myself that I'm just going to, I'm not going to try to beat him today. I'm just going to try to ride his tail and, and psychologically get in his head and show him that I could stick with him. And I was able to do that even though I was hurting the rest of the day trying to do it, but competitively and psychologically, it gave me a huge advantage. And sure enough, like within a week, I started passing him up because I knew I could keep with him. He knew I could keep with him. And one day I just had more energy and I just gave it a little of a sprint to pass him. And I could tell he tried to sprint to catch back up and he did. And then I gave it one more sprint and then basically he was gone. Like I could see him sucking wind behind me and he, he knew he wasn't <laughs> going to catch me from there. And in all reality, like I, he, he never beat me again. Like psychologically, I think I was in his head and, I just, uh, I was able to beat him and I just wasn't going to let him beat me again. And I had that psychological hump that I got over, but he motivated me. He inspired me, you know, because I wasn't, if I didn't have him, I would have been okay just running at a gradual fast pace as long as I was one of the, you know, for usually I was the first one, but with him, I wasn't until I passed him, but I would have been happy if I was first running at a gradual pace, unless I had somebody to push me. And that's, you know, you got to figure out what's your motivation, what's your inspiration, and uh, everybody's different from that standpoint. I have a question for you because that's interesting. So you, when you looked at him and, you know, you were a better athlete, you said, uh, but you looked at him and said, let me just see if I can keep up, right? So stay on his, on his back, right, or on his, you know, while he's running a little bit ahead of you. And that's what gave you that mindset to say, if I can do this, can I take it to the next step? Is that right? Yeah, it was a small step because if I would have tried to say just I'm going to beat him on one of the runs, I probably wouldn't have been able to do it because it was too big of a step to go from being beat by him all the time to all of a sudden beating him because he was that good. I needed to see if I could just stay with him because for the most part, like I I couldn't even stay with him in the beginning. He would gradually pull away because he ran. I, I mean, he was much taller. I mean, he ran at a much quicker pace. His strides were like, Every one step he took, I felt like I was taking, you know, one and a half to two steps. It was impossible to keep up with him, I felt like. But then I got better and better and better, and then I challenged myself, like, just I got to just be able to keep up with him just once and see if I can do it, you know. And, and I, once I was able to do that, then that was it. It was go time. I knew I, I was that much closer to being able to pass him up because I had the competitive edge, but I also had the athletic edge and the – the will, you know, I've always looked at myself when it comes to sports or anything else. Like if there could be somebody that's way better than me, but the the difference between me and somebody else are the things that I can control. I can control how hard I'm going to work and how much extra work I'm going to put in. And so I'm going to get better every day. And maybe one day I'll beat you. Maybe I'll never beat you, but you're going to see me close that gap because I'm going to push myself to try to get as close to you or better than you than I can because that that becomes my drive. My inspiration is that person to be as good or better than them when somebody's better. And I need that personally from an athletic standpoint or a sporting event to push me and motivate me. That's the only way I get better. You really helped me today with that. Thank you. Um, I appreciate that because I, I, uh, that, that, that is 
Thank you. I just I wanted to tell you that. Um, so strength, power, and endurance. You need all three to do, you know, in a in a workout to do the best you can in a workout uh, to prepare you for the event, prepare you to be better, um, and uh, and that kind of thing. Do you re- do you recommend um, uh, doing one one day power, one day strength, one day endurance, or combining them all if you're working out to prepare for an event, or maybe just to prepare to be a better runner for yourself? Uh, you know, each of us have our our wives. So, what's your thoughts on that? Well. All three parts are important to our body makeup, the way our muscles are made up. Like, uh, you need power because just standing up out of a chair is a power move. Because if you try to stand without using your arms from a seated position and just go slow, don't don't move, don't make any quick movements. It's extremely difficult to do, and most people don't even think about it. They do it subconsciously, but try to do it without actually moving any fast movement, just going slow and leaning forward and standing up, it is almost impossible. Let me just put it that way. Whereas uh, it's a power move, and that's, that's something we use every day. We just don't think about it. We train it. Um, you know, endurance, you know, is going for doing yard work, doing uh, a long walk, so on and so forth, or a long run, whatever it might be, but it's about uh, being consistent over a long period of time. And our body needs all three because – Strength, you know, who wouldn't want more strength in a sense? But you don't need to be super strong to run a 5K or a 10K or to do, like, the obstacle course races that I do. But you need to be strong enough. And the stronger you are, the easier it is to do certain things. Like in the obstacle course races I have, if I'm pulling a rope and they call it, like, a Hercules pull, um, it's much easier if I'm strong. I don't have to exert as much energy as the guy next to me. So I have more energy to go on to the next obstacle and, and run and so on and so forth. So it's it's all kind of made up in your body in the same way. But if you want to be – they all complement each other as well, I'm trying to say. But if, if you want to be an endurance athlete and your goal is to run a marathon, then strength really doesn't become that important. It's more of a psychological thing. Your strength is just trying to build up your endurance and not give up. It's more of a psychological strength. It's not physical strength because – no endurance runner, marathon runner needs to be able to, to bench 500 pounds and, you know, squat 700 pounds or whatever because they're probably not going to make it in a marathon in a sense. But vice versa, you know, somebody that wants to gain muscle and body build, they can't really do a lot of endurance activities because the, the muscle starts breaking down eventually and it starts eating itself for energy because the way our energy sources are set up in our body to be able to use, um, it, you know, it, it first starts working on your blood sugar then it starts getting your, your liver sugar and, and, and your blood, and then it starts breaking down your, your protein levels. You know, the, the thing is with our body, the last thing it actually wants to break down is fat to use for energy. Fat is right. our endurance survival, you know, basically uh, energy sources. So endurance runners typically have very lean, little muscle in a sense, and they have uh, – you know, they have that almost like skinny fat in a sense. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. they're they're not fat. They're not skinny. They're they're thin, but they're not like super muscular and ripped like a sprinter or a bodybuilder or a uh, a person playing basketball or football. Um, from that standpoint, uh, American football. So it's a different. You know, and the same thing when it comes to soccer. Like you look at soccer or uh, European football. A lot of the guys, it's mostly an endurance sport. 
So they look differently than American football where it's a power and strength sport. It's not a lot of endurance. Like a play only lasts like six seconds, and then they're back resting for 30, and then they're doing six seconds. It's all power and strength. So these guys are like muscle upon muscle in American football. Um, but if you tried to get them to run a marathon, they'd all probably drop dead on the floor because it, they just can't do it, even though they're phenomenal athletes. It's just That's a completely true. different sport. That's amazing. So you, have to, you have to know how to, to work towards the goal that you want. So first you got to set a goal because without a goal, you have nothing to strive for. You have no achievement to make. So you have to set a goal, whether it's, you know, running, swimming, whatever it might be, you know, it could be swimming where your goal is to get, you know, 10 laps without having to stop. And, you know, you start off just trying to get one lap. And then once you get your one lap, then you try to go for two and so on and so forth or whatever. But, you know, you have to have a tracking method so that way you know how to improve and you cross train. The hard, the hardest part when it comes to training for all that stuff is knowing when to take a step back when you start hitting that stalemate because you have to be really aware and you can't be stubborn when you start hitting those stalemates that, it's not you while you're hitting the stalemates. I mean, it is, but it's not. You have right. to cross-train. You have to do something else and then come back to it because your body can't figure out how to adapt and overcome at that point. It's stuck. It's at a stalemate. So what you have to do is you have to cross-train, find something else to be able to get your body to be able to still improve but with the power, the strength, or the endurance, or all three so that way when you come back to what you were training for originally, all of a sudden you're more athletic. And now you can take a step back from where you finish because you're not going to be right where you finish because you haven't been doing it for a little bit, whether it's four weeks off, three weeks off, so on and so forth. And now you should be able to pass that where you had before because you're more athletic. Your brain is – it'll be easier for your body to figure out basically how to put the puzzle together which is essentially what your body's trying to do. Your mind and your muscles are trying to work together uh, to put a puzzle together to basically achieve a goal. Okay, I have a question. So I love to run, right? And so if I'm going to compete, let's say a half marathon, for instance, and uh, so I, I hit I hit a wall where I, I like I can't move quicker or, or I'm not doing that as well, then you're saying maybe uh, for a, a few days, a week, or whatever, try biking, right, or doing a bike maybe is that kind of what you're saying or is that what you're saying yeah i would say usually more like three weeks uh two at a minimum to cross train and do something else and then come back um and especially if you can cross train in wherever you're weakest so if you're a runner let's say and in your weakest muscles or let's say your your hamstrings or your uh glutes or or your stride length so you know it could be a lot of flexibility um, it could be just your, your power on your push off. Um, and you kind of, you know, assess that yourself and then you cross train into a sport like that. So that would help improve your weakness because obviously the more you make your weakness, you don't want to just work on your strengths. The more you make your weaknesses stronger, the more you balance yourself out, which also helps prevent injuries. Because if you're doing a tug of war in your body constantly, you know, eventually the weaker side is going to give up. And that's where muscle tears happen. That's where our body breaks down and, and you get sick. Um, all types of things happen from that standpoint. So you got to look at it from the standpoint of you always want to improve your weakness while still working on your strength. 
That's a wow. That's amazing. Thank you. That's a that is really amazing, Frank. And uh, uh, so that that's something that you can do. The other thing that I want to ask is, do you how many days a week do you work out? How many days a week do you run? How often, you know, if you're preparing for, let's say, a half marathon, uh, that's something I want to do. Um, uh, and actually, in, in January, how often should you prepare for that? I mean, I, I thought starting in December, because, you know, five or six days I'm working out right now. But in your opinion, as a trainer and in your knowledge, what, what's your thoughts on that? Well, that's where a little bit it gets kind of uh, gray in a sense because it depends on the person on how good a shape they already are to uh, basically uh, how much their body can handle. And you got to be able to read your own body on that sense. So I would say start off with like four days a week, see how sore and how tired you are from doing it. And you start off, you know, running, aiming for like three miles and you're doing that the, the first week, three miles each time you run, and then you're going to have – a long run and a short run, um, you know, where you're working more on the speed on the short run and the long run you're working for a little bit less time per mile and you're going for a little more endurance and just casual. Uh, and you, you got to read your soreness and how, how your body feels uh, later that day or, or that next day. Uh, and then you, as it gets easier, then you know you can make another jump up, whether it's improving the length of time. Uh, of running um, so you're you know I always look at it as cumulative in a sense so I, for a person that's trying to do let's say the half marathon uh, it's about how much miles you put in in a week as opposed to how much you put in per day so because especially with our lives and everything and people are busy and so forth you can't necessarily do it every day uh, you might be able to you know in that sense or whatever so if you can do it every day and you can do I would still recommend having one to two days off of not running um, and either doing a lot of stretching or doing uh, a Pilates or yoga or swimming or something like that, but very light, light on those days for to help your body heal and rest and recover and improve. Um, and I'm also a big believer in runners doing a myofascial release with foam rollers because it's a lot of wear and tear on the joints and right. you have to be able to help the muscles uh, relax and get rid of the knots and the muscle tissue by doing those. So you're using the foam rollers and rubbing your legs or your arms or, you know, all the the parts of your body that you use for running, which uh, on them to help you release the, the, the knots and all that. Yeah. I know that. I've got a foam roller. Yeah, it makes a huge difference because I I get a ton of knots. I got flat feet and stuff like that. And I can feel it instantly when they really bother me. So if I'm not using a foam roller on my calves and typically my quads, I get tight hip flexors, my psoas, um, to my piriformis and, and different areas. My hamstrings, actually, they, they're they always tight, but they don't get a lot of knots, and they're very deep. So for, it's a little different on them, but everybody's different. You know, sometimes uh, people get a lot in the arch, and they got to use, like, a myofascial release ball that they're rolling back and forth on the arch of their feet. But you sure. can feel a difference when you get those knots out. You become faster. You become stronger because you're not fighting the scar tissue that's basically in there with the knots that is not making the muscles work efficiently. And when you start doing that, not only do they work more efficiently, but it also is injury prevention. I mean, they use that in physical therapy and uh, basically therapies all over, but you are – 
they're starting to use it way more in training. They're starting to use it way more in uh, professional sports all over. They're using it consistently, foam rolling, because of the benefits of it are tremendous. And it's very meditative at the same time. When you start doing it, you start you can meditate while you're doing it, and it actually helps you more to be more in tune with your body. I like that. Thank you. Because I've got a foam roller. I've got something for the, I, whatever you called it, I've got that. Um, but I need to be really consistent on using it. Um, how soon, if you start using it, for instance, let's say today, how how do you notice uh, results right away? Or does it take time? Or what's your thoughts on that, too? I would say in the beginning when you use it, it is extremely painful. You'll notice that uh, you won't like it. Like it, the pain is like a, a sharp, hard pain uh, where you have the knots and it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel comfortable at all, but you have to stick with it, you know, take a break and then go back at it or just fight through the pain and, and get into deep meditation. Because I, I promise you, if you do that, then the next day you do it, it, it'll get a little less painful. You know, it might take a week for the pain to kind of feel like, all right, it's not that bad. I'm getting used to it because it's one of those odd things where the more you do it, the less you have to do it. Because if you went to a massage therapist every day, you know, essentially, if you think about it from that standpoint and they massage the muscles and the knots and got, got them out and so on and so forth, they're not going to find as many knots eventually because they've already worked them out. And you're, if you're, you know, following proper nutrition and stretching and so on and so forth, you're not going to get knots all the time. So, you know, you'll still get some because, uh, it's just the way our bodies work when you exercise and so on and so forth. And so it forms lactic acid and sometimes the lactic acid gets stuck in a certain area and creates a, a ball of tension that creates a knot and, you know, you have to get rid of it it's stuck. So either right. it just takes time to get rid of, or you could try to do the foam rolling and, and myofascial release because that will work uh, twice as fast when you do that. And, you know, and even if you only get rid of 80 or 90% of that knot, you know, now you're working 90% more efficiently in that muscle, if you think about it from that standpoint. And you'll notice, like, right away, once those knots start leaving because you don't find them anymore, you will run so much more efficiently or whatever your sport is. Like, it'll be so much easier because all of a sudden, like, again, if I did my hamstrings and my quads and my calves, my stride right. starts going bigger. You know, my – my uh my my push off on my foot when I'm connecting and I'm pushing off and I'm going to my next stride, I feel like I have more power, you know, because that blocks your power too in your calves if you have knots in there. So it's like one of those things where you need to, you know, feel the the relaxation from it where you're not fighting, you know, it's it's like driving around in your car with flat tires. Like it'll still drive, but it's not going to be as efficient. You got to think about it from that standpoint. So if you put the time and effort, and there's tons of videos on YouTube and stuff like that for foam rolling and so on and so forth, there's uh, the the key is relaxing while you're doing it so you actually feel uh, like your muscle is relaxing on the spot that you're putting it on because otherwise you tense up because of the pain and it's not really getting deep in there. You know, when you go and see a massage therapist and they're giving you a massage, if you just stay tense while they're massaging you, they're not going to be able to get to the knot. It's the same idea when you're doing the foam roller or using another source for myofascial release. If you're not relaxing and meditating when you're on there, that's why I said it helps you really get you in tune with your own body, you're not going to get deep into that muscle tissue. You know, the fascia that's there 
is deep, and you have to be able to try to get deep into it. So technically, the the more weight you're able to put into it, the right. deeper it gets and the more painful it gets in the beginning. But, you know, for me, like I once you're doing it like every day, there's there's no pain. It realistically is. Like you'll find like one or two knots here and there, and it doesn't hurt when you're on it. You just feel it there. It's kind of like, all right, let me work on this now. Let me work on this now. You know, and but in the beginning, like, I mean, you can go for realistically like a whole hour in the beginning foam rolling most of your body if you're doing it correctly because you can spend up to five to ten minutes on one spot just kind of meditating and letting it get deep into the muscle tissue and you'll see a huge difference when it's done. It's because myofascial release actually is uh, more research and more research is poured into that. It's it's about time under tension when you're on it. It's not just about rolling over the muscle that has the knot going back and forth like you're trying to squish a bug with your foot going up and down hitting it. It's not about right. that. It's about constant pressure. And the longer you can apply that pressure, the more help you're getting it. Frank, you've been a wonderful and amazing. And by the way, Frank is, uh, we're going to have a, a Zoom or Google Meet or something. Uh, we're, we're doing a speaking engagement, and Frank's going to do uh, be there, and he's got so knowledgeable. Frank, you've blown me away with everything you're talking about. Thank you. And uh, he's here on our podcast on uh, right now. We've, uh, he's going to be here every Thursday at um, 3 p.m. and uh, Or Wednesday, sorry, Wednesday at 3 p.m., so I'm, I'm glad for that. Uh, for all of us that uh, need some help here and uh, then very soon he's going to be speaking uh, in front of people too as well so thank you once again Frank I appreciate it more than you know and what a great great uh, talk that you gave today on taking care of yourself you know mind body spirit and also strength power and endurance (laughs) it's all good and we'll see you next Wednesday (laughs) at 3 p.m. and you have a wonderful day everybody and Frank we'll see you next Wednesday right you're going to be here Paul Beer, let's get a motivation and a goal. <laughs> there you go. That's what I like that. Anyway, okay, everybody. Take care. Bye-bye now. Bye, Frank. Bye-bye. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.